Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is Mediterranean chicken. It is uh, September 11th, 9-11, 19th anniversary. I uh, was living downtown at the time. Uh, Ralph Klein, uh, who has since passed away, Premier of the province, lived in the same building as mine. I remember how shocked I was that uh, that morning. I'm trying to recall where our next guest was when that occurred. Jack Michaels, were you in Colorado or were you up in Alaska when 9-11 happened? I was in Colorado Springs, Bob, which, as you know, is home to NORAD. And for a significant portion of that day, the thought was President George W. Bush was on his way to Colorado Springs because that's, of course, where NORAD is. And, you know, you've got a whole station and a a safeguarded area in the base of a mountain. But uh, as it turned out, he was rerouted and didn't end up going out there. But that's where I was. So I was... uh, you know, obviously, like everyone else, uh, upon arriving at work, sent home shortly after that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it hasn't really been the same world since. I think it's no, safe to no, say. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to get you to one of the things, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, one of the things that I like, uh, are, are, you know, certainly appreciate in, in our role is, is, is seeing a different uh Anthemists around the league. Like, there's nothing quite like the experience in Chicago. Stan Van Gundy, longtime NBA head coach, now an analyst, has tweeted out all the talk about national anthem protests begs the question why do we even play the anthem before games? Why do we have to honor our country before we play a game? We don't play the anthem before movies, plays, etc. It makes no sense. Let's end the practice and just play. Now, Jack, I'll, I'll be the first to say. When you're in Chicago and you hear that anthem, right, from uh, Jim Cornelson, uh, if, if you're not alive before that happened, you're alive after that anthem. But uh, what's your take on Stan uh, Van Gundy's tweet? Well, it's certainly an interesting point and, and one that, you know, it's it's one of these traditions in in sports that, you know, we've, we've arrived at and, uh, like a lot of things, you know, it might be time to revisit because I think the last thing you want to do uh, before an event intended to entertain is necessarily remind people of 
you know, the same kind of conflicts that they're using the entertainment device to get away from and escape from. I think that's one of the great things about our quote-unquote job, Bob, is, is that many people would say with some justification that, that you and I's world and working world is still a kind of fantasy world, which is, which is true. It's, it's amazing that we get to work in a business uh, devoted solely for entertainment and, and how that got mixed in with some sort of you know, political stance or, or uh, you know, an obligation to honor your country. I think there is some justification for for revisiting that idea and wondering whether it's a tradition whose time has has come and gone. I think a lot of things in North America right now we're looking at is tradition a code word for for something that may not you know be appropriate anymore. So I don't think it's as out of bounds as a lot of people. I bet do. Sure. And I'm, yep. and I'm open to revisiting some of these ideas, Bob, because it isn't the same world. And, and certainly within the last, you know, four to five months, and I know you and I still love talking sports, but we've also had time for some reflection and, and what's really important. And I think, uh, you know, like the rest of us in Edmonton and beyond, hopefully we've used this time to reconnect with some areas of our life that maybe we'd allowed to slip a little bit. Uh, and I, I, I know I, I had a con- couple conversations with Stan Van Gundy over the years. When he was coaching Orlando, he was down in Dallas with us, and uh, I had a, a, long, uh, a long talk with him. And that, that's going to bring us to a bit of another curveball for you, Jack. Your most famous non-hockey, uh, hey, I bumped into this guy over the course of the last 10 years doing the play-by-play for the Edmonton Oilers. Floyd Mayweather uh, in Vegas. A colleague of ours was getting married in Vegas, as you may or may not recall. And I was uh, in Vegas for the wedding and was approached by this massive uh, 6'9", 275-pound bodyguard. I I didn't know who he was, but he, he certainly got my attention when he put his hand on his shoulder. And he goes, Mr. Michaels, just wanted to let... I live in Toronto, but I'm a I'm a huge uh, Oiler fan, and you do a great job, and blah blah. And you know, we got to talking, and I'm like, I, I gotta say, like, what the hell do you do for a living? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm guarding that man in there. And he had approached me at the fashion mall in Vegas, and sure enough, I, I kind of looked in the direction he was pointing towards, and it was a pretty fancy like handbag store. And what it, what had happened was Floyd Mayweather had kind of closed a certain number of stores in this mall so that he could shop and not be hassled. And so he he gestured oh, wow. and, I, and I said, "Is that Floyd Mayweather?" And he said, "Yeah, you must you must know your boxing." And I said, "Well, if if you've uh, heard Bob and I during our broadcast, I'm surprised you haven't picked up on that." And he kind of laughed and he's like, "You want to meet the champ?" And of course, uh, this was, you know, well after Floyd Mayweather's uh, documented troubles. And I like to poke fun at my wife because not only did I shake his hand, but she was like a little girl. Oh, so nice to meet you, Floyd. And she had not necessarily uh, reacted to his presence on the television that kindly beforehand. But she uh, quickly became a fan when he came out to meet us. Now, you met Walt Fraser as well, didn't you? 
Yeah, well, that was uh, that was with you. I think you might have been already on the bus, but uh, as you know, the Raptors were in town, uh, you know, in a situation where we were playing the Maple Leafs. The Oilers were playing the Maple Leafs, and and Walt Fraser is, uh, I, I guess, what I wish I was, uh, a fashionista of the highest order. And as you'll recall, he was resplendent in a beautiful red suit, and uh, I was able to get a picture with him. He is he is known for being high society when it comes to fashion. And, and uh, Bob, you know your New York sports history uh, better than any Canadian I know, and I think you'd probably agree with me that Joe Namath had some com- competition yes, in New York City in the 1970s. It, it wasn't just Namath uh, that was a Matt and I idol back then. Certainly Walt Fraser was on that list as well. Yeah, uh, no, no question about that. So we'll get to some hockey stuff in a second here, Jack. Uh, but uh, just uh, NFL starting, uh, college football, Clemson's playing Saturday night. It's kind of getting back a little bit, uh, but it's still completely. Did you watch much of the KC Houston-Texans uh, game last night? I did, and, you know, whatever it was, 18,000 people sounded fairly loud. And, of course, I'm playing paying close attention for much the same reason you are. I mean, number one, we enjoy the entertainment aspect, but it's very important to our livelihoods that this goes well for the National Football League because if it doesn't, it's going to set back, you know, the NHL and the NBA, and and that's no good for any of us. So I am, uh, you know, on eggshells a little bit that this is – that this is going to go well. I'm, I'm hopeful, and I, I want this thing to succeed uh, for selfish reasons as much as anything else, including my love for watching football. All right, let's switch focus. I put a tweet last night on Darnell Nurse, and I, I, I almost did a double take. I was just sort of cruising around looking at some numbers. I did not realize over the last three seasons Darnell Nurse was tied for seventh in the NHL in five-on-five scoring. And we all know it's harder to score five on five than it is on the power play. And, you know, Nurse has not seen a lot of time on the first unit power play. Sometimes he's been there when Oscar Clefbaum's been out. But when you're tied with Victor Hedman for, you know, seventh overall in, in even starting scoring five on five, and the only guys that are ahead of you have names like Yossi and uh, John Carlson and Burns and Eric Carlson and. Uh, Morgan Riley and, and Tyson Berry. Would, would you have thought, uh, Jack, that Nurse would have been tied for seventh in five-on-five scoring over the course of the last three seasons, or would that have been a surprise to you? No, that, I mean, it would have been a surprise because Darnell isn't generally mentioned in, in that league. I mean, the one thing about that list that really sticks out for me is Yossi because unlike Nurse, unlike Hedman, unlike Barry. He hasn't had the elite caliber forwards to work with. I mean, Roman Yossi, as you know, generates much of his own offense, is often, you know, at or near the top of Nashville's scoring leaders' charts, regardless of position. I mean, he's, you know, if you're talking about two or three guys who lead the league, you know, in score or lead their team in scoring from the blue line, well, Roman Yossi is usually on that list. So, uh, what you know, it illustrates the fact that guys like, and I include Hedman too. I, I don't necessarily think naturally 
that Victor Hedman has the same kind of offensive instincts that a that a Brent Burns or an Eric Carlson does. But he does, like Nurse, play five on five minutes with some of the best boards that are going right now in the National Hockey League. And right. and, and Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and in Nurse's case the last three years, he's been blessed to play a lot of five on five time with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So uh, nurses, you know what? What people forget, and it should reinforce the point that nurses' ability to transport the puck is right there with some of the top defensemen in the league. Uh, he doesn't have the same shot as them. I, I think he's the, the hardness of shot is there. I, I think Darnell's shot is less accurate than some of the people we're talking about. And like you said, he also doesn't get the power play time that a Roman Yossi or Victor Hedman or a Tyson Berry gets. So, you know, that's that's what's really separated. I think, you know, people people give Darnell a lot of grief for some of the decisions he makes on the puck. I, I think some of those concerns are overblown. What I, what I think and, and what was revealed to me a little bit in the Chicago series is, you know, Darnell – if I were to say, hey, maybe there's one area of improvement I'd like to see in the next year, I'd love to see Darnell just get a little bit more Kevin Lowish in his own zone and become just a fraction harder to play against because he can skate well enough to get to the spots. But I just think sometimes positioning is where is where the level of improvement. But I've never thought, you know, Darnell couldn't transport the, or move the puck. I, I think he's underrated in that aspect. Uh, one thing that uh, Kevin Lowe did, he mastered the, uh, you know, that six-inch cross-check to guys back, right? In tight, give him a quick shot, and it didn't matter if it was Bob Probert or, or Bob Stoffer, who it was, right? He's going to stick that guy. And Darnell, I'm with you. Darnell could add a little bit more there. Uh, Darcy Camper, Jack, do you think he's worth a first-round draft choice? Well, you look at the last three years, Bob, and I think he's at a, what, a 923? And, you know, if you don't have a number one goaltender, I, I still think the old adage holds is that, you know, maybe you don't have goaltending at all. I, you know, I'm not so sure that, that that Vegas isn't being outplayed in that area in, in some of their games. And I know Robin Leonard's got four shutouts, but, uh, you know, there have been some other games where they've had the second-best goalie and haven't come up, you know, haven't come up big. I think – First-round draft pick covers a, a lot of sins, Bob. I mean, wh- where are we talking? Are we talking first-round draft pick where Jordan Eberle or Kyler Yamamoto was drafted? Or are we talking first-round draft pick where Leon Draisaitl or yeah. Darnell Nurse was drafted? That's that's the biggest thing for me. All right, how about, how, about, how about 14 overall? Well, and that's, that is giving me the bailout answer is that's a tough decision. It that is. is a brutal decision because you're basically, if you were to ask me where does your 50-50 level start splitting the other way, I'd tell you right about 14 or 15. Yep. So for the first time on your show, I'm kind of bailing a little bit, Bob, and saying, I don't know, I'm on the fence. I'm yeah, embarrassed to do that. It's boring radio, but to be honest with you, I don't know at 14. Yeah, I, you know what, Jack? I got to tell you, it's a tough decision. Like, it really is. I mean, uh, I do think you need two goaltenders in the Western Conference. I think, you know, we're going to have some form of hockey in 2021. Uh, it's probably going to be a compressed schedule, but I'm but not. Don't you need a one out of those two, Bob? 
Well, is is Kemper not a one at this stage? Right. That's what I mean. So when yeah. you say well, you need two goaltenders, I agree with you, but I still think you need a number one. Yeah, well, I mean, nine, it's funny. Eh? All the talk about, well, the Oilers need somebody else that's better than Koskinen. There's not. There, there's like four goaltenders that are free agents that are that have a higher save percentage than Koskinen had this past year. Hudobin, uh Talbot did, you know, and and Robin Lehner, you know, those are three of them. And and Talbot was at nine eighteen, and uh, Mika was at nine seventeen, and and we're already led to believe. By the way, Robin Lehner has denied that the deal is done in Vegas, and that's going to be the final question I have for you, Jack. How pleased would you be if somehow Marc-Andre Fleury ended up in Edmonton? Well, I'd be elated because he's a hell of a teammate, and I think that would be another positive presence in the locker room. And I know he's taken some bad press over uh, the Alan Walsh uh, you know, tweet that that must have originated from Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm not necessarily buying that. I, I don't think... I mean, if he knew something was coming down the pike, I don't I don't think he knew it was going to be that. I, he just has too proven a track record of being a beloved teammate. I'm uh, with for you. So long I'm with you. And so, so I'd be excited about that. Can I express one reservation? I'm not sure you've said it on your show yet about Kemper. My only reservation on Kemper is, does he have that, that next level of goaltender? Because, as you know, Bob, on a non-contender, we've seen it for years, it is very, not easy, but it is one thing to be a goaltender who puts up numbers year after year in a market and on a team with very low expectations. It's another thing to do that in Philadelphia or Edmonton, two teams looking to take the next step towards being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender and two teams that play in a market where there's a rabid fan base, a tremendous media following, and the accompanying pressure that goes along with that responsibility. Well stated, Jack. Thanks for your time. Have a good weekend. Always a- I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Pleasure, Bob. You do the same with your family. All right. 151 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. Come back with this day in Oilers history. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. That was a quick stop set. Let, let me tell you. 152 in Edmonton. Uh, let's get to this day in Oilers history. 
Unfortunately, it's got a uh, sad connection uh, to 9-11. Back in the 630 Chet Studios, Brendan Escott. Back in 2001, longtime member of the Oilers organization, Garnett Ace Bailey, not Irvin Ace Bailey, passes away in the terror attacks on the World Trade Center. He did play for the WHA's Oilers in the 1978-79 season and mentored a young Wayne Gretzky. Following that, he was the uh, A coach of a minor league affiliate before stepping into a scouting role from 81 to 94. Uh, he was the director of pro scouting for Los Angeles when he passed. Yeah, uh, a couple stories on Ace Bailey. One of them, uh, I, and I, I think it was Bad News Billabo, was uh, maybe not. Anyways, Wayne was getting hacked and whacked, so this would have been 78, 79. And uh, basically, the uh, Ace Bailey told Wayne, said, drag him towards our bench. And don't worry. And so Wade's got the puck, and he goes skating by the other bench and goes to circle, and suddenly there's a player on the ice, and Ace had gotten uh, – Ace Bailey could look after himself. He was a tough, honest guy. If I'm not mistaken, Ace Bailey was actually involved on uh, – uh, the or was on the plane that uh, crashed in Pennsylvania. So, um, and that was the one where I believe, uh, now I'm going to have to look into this on the fly here, uh, but I, I, I believe the passengers kind of confronted the hijackers on that one, but that, that, that would be ace for you. I mean, he had that personality and he was a, a guy that would stand up, uh, uh, for himself, but I'm not 100% sure, uh, which, which, which actual plane it was. Uh, maybe we'll get Brendan to look that up. There's several Oilers players who were born on this day, including Mike Comrie. Comrie had 74 goals and 154 points in 235 games played during two stints with the Edmonton Oilers. He was a skilled, feisty player on the ice, very charismatic guy off the ice, terrific sense of humor, devoid of ego. Uh and the best illustration for me, you just heard Adam Cracknell around 120 today talk about the fact that he was skating with a, a junior team. I believe that team's in the, the the old Rocky Hockey League or whatever they call it, uh, BC uh, Junior uh, Junior League. But uh, Mike Comrie came out, skated with the Alberta Golden Bears. There have been a multitude of former NHL players that have rehabbed or were holdouts and skated at the U of A. Mike skated uh, with the Bears in September, October, and part of November of 2003 after uh, a very challenging uh, negotiation or lack thereof occurred between the Oilers. Uh, Rich Winter was representing Mike Comrie. Kevin Lowe was the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers at that time, and Mike was ultimately traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. But to a man, uh, I will tell you that the guys that were with the Bears at that time said Mike was just a terrific guy. He never belittled them because he played at a, a higher level. Uh, Mike was a star player, obviously, at Michigan, uh, left and uh, went to play for the Kootenai Ice, was a teammate of Jared Stoll's, very good friend with a, a business guy in Edmonton by the name of Brad Tuchek as well. So uh, there's a little bit of... Uh, background information for you there on my comrades. It's also Ben Scriven's birthday today and Zach Stortini's as well. Uh, so just thought we'd fire that up and fire that your way. Monday. What are we going to do Monday? Well, well, we'll have John Shannon on the show. Uh, there we go. Bob, it was flight number 93 that fought back during the, uh, yes, uh, 
Oase was on one of the planes that hit the towers. There we go. And it was Flight 93 that fought back. So uh, just trying to work work our way through it. Oilers GM says, how about one global anthem for all nationalities at sports events that uh, could include words like end racism, love, and justice for all? Great idea, or am I crazy? Um uh, <laughs> Interesting perspective. Champions League kind of does something like that. Yeah. Don't they the Champions League anthem. Everybody sort of knows it. Yep. Uh, there you go. Sean texts us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. It's not tough at all, Bob uh, and Jack. You got you trade the number 14 overall for Camper all day. That player at 14 is three years away from playing meaningful minutes. Camper might help the Oilers to at least a conference title. And uh, that's if everything else in the roster stays the same. Uh, there we go. That's a. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is a different perspective uh, to say it. Again, you can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Bob, do you think Mark Andre Fleury would come to Edmonton? I think you'd be surprised. I think things have changed from five years ago. So what I, I said it earlier this week. That's part of the reason why we talked about the Arizona situation. Now Arizona is unique because Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair both worked in that organization. That'd be a factor. But the biggest factor is the Oilers have McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they've got themselves a new building as well. That wraps up the Friday edition of Oilers Now. Game three tonight. Reed Wilkins has got another night off. Game three, the Islanders in the Tampa Bay, 6 p.m. Puck drop on 6.30, Jed. Game four goes tomorrow night when the uh, Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights get after it. Stars up 2-1. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30, Jed Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad.